110 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan on the football field. We don't want to coach average. We do want to win because winning is the epitome of team effort. Every coach who ever put a whistle around their neck strives to be the head coach at The Ohio State University. Welcome back, everybody. Buckeye Bar guys here on Buckeye Bar Talk. I'm Mike. And I'm John. And today's date is Friday, August 27th. And we are officially six days uh, until the start of the Ohio State season. And we're officially uh, literally a few hours until yeah, less than 24 hours from the start of uh, the college football season as, uh, you know, at least for the big boys uh, as uh, week zero, because we can't name it week one. Uh, week, week zero is upon us as uh comment. So uh, we got uh Nebraska, Illinois, uh, tomorrow. Uh, I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, so we'll, uh, basically the big things we'll go, go through tonight is, uh, we had two big press conferences this week, and then we will also kind of just go through our predictions for the season. Um, just a couple of little items just, uh, quickly, uh, get over before we get into that. Um, uh, so there was the final, the, uh, the, uh, big announcement for the Alliance, uh, the grand Alliance, uh, Basically, I think everybody knows now what was said. It, uh, it's as of now, it just seems like a bunch of uh, nothing. Uh, so, until <laughs> nothing it's actually, so until it's actually something, uh, then it's, uh, it's really nothing. I mean, the only thing I really enjoyed was literally that they said that they, when somebody asked one of them, I think it was the Pac-12's uh, commissioner, that if they signed some sort of agreement and it's like, no, we looked in each other's eyes and uh, – you know, we, and then when I heard that, that's all I, that's about as much as I wanted to hear for the, the thing. I'm like, they looked into each other's souls and there was, we're not going to steal each other's teams from us. Darn it. <laughs> I mean, every time one of these guys talk, doesn't it just make you wish more and more that Ohio state was a part of the sec? Yeah. Sadly, that's kind of how I, you know, I'm feeling that, uh, or at least you know, we have competent leadership. I don't know. I don't want to be. Maybe we need to, maybe we just need to go grab a few decent schools and go f- save the big 12. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> It'd be interesting, <laughs> but uh, no, it's, and, and honestly, if like, if we really listen to those two, the, the, the conversation, the PAC 12 commissioner, not, not bad. I actually like the ACC commissioner. Um, Kevin Warren is like so far out of his depth though, that it's like, it's like becoming like very obvious that uh, he's uh, just not like, I know the president's run it. He's the spokesperson. Basically he's the face of the conference, but he's a bad face, man. He's like, uh, like, and then he's like talking on the big 10 network. And, and I, I, I like, I, I know he knows that the Ohio state Oregon game was scheduled years ago. And like we do the ACC big 10 challenge, but it's like, he's trying to use those as an examples of what like the Alliance can be. when like the, Dave resident asked him, he's like, well, what do you kind of expect in the future of this Alliance? He's like, well, look at Ohio state, Oregon are playing each other. And we do this ACC big bench. Yeah. Well, we've been doing that for years and, uh, didn't Ohio have an state, Alliance yet. <laughs> you know, Delaney was the commissioner when Ohio state and Oregon did the schedules. So like, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. So I got, that guy's got his head so far up his own ass. That's, crazy yeah so i uh, i don't know i feel uh i feel weird just uh, he's just 
he's just not it. And, uh, and you know, I mean, we're not going to spend a lot of time on it. The, you know, the SEC uh, commissioner Sankey, he was on with Feinbaum, like I think yesterday. And he kind of basically said, yep, we don't, you know, we don't really, uh, pretty much that we don't care about any of this stuff. And, you know, and it just seems it's crazier and crazier every day when it seems like he's the competent guy in the room that, uh, I mean, he, he actually sent a little dig at the big 10, uh, on the fine bomb show is, and I, I don't know it verbatim. It's just paraphrasing, but you know, he's like, Hey, we didn't have any non-conference games last year neither, but you know, that was all thanks to the big Ten, and, uh, <laughs> basically, you know, so yeah. Um, yeah, so I, 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 I don't know what's going to come with college football over the next several years. Um, I personally think that this alliance is that I don't think anybody should really look much into it. It's they're basically doing something because they felt like they had to do something. I think they're just using this as a voting block. They want they know college football is going in a different direction. They understand that they're going to go in the different direction too, but I think they wanted to make sure it's going into the direction that they want it to go into at the end of the day. And that it's not the sec. That's basically driving the car. If the sec wants, they're going to be the passenger in the car. You know, we have more votes than you guys do. You know, we all know it's going this way, but you know, it's not going to be you that's directing the car. So we'll see when all that comes to a head, but it's probably still a few years away. Uh, yeah that really anything happens um wanted to quickly talk about so it is week zero as upon us uh illinois nebraska um this was a very very big game for scott frost because you know i know that everybody's singing kumbaya there right now but he hasn't won in lincoln yet they have a new athletic director that's a big nebraska guy too he just like frost is you mm -hmm. know he played for nebraska you know, Trends. he's part he's part of the glory days. I mean, us Buckeye fans, anybody that, is, you know, was alive and remembers the O2 season very well. I mean, Trevor Alberts was basically mini me to Mark May on ESPN. And, uh, you know, they was like they fed off of each other. And so um, they possibly if they could possibly get out of his contract, if this NCAA violation ends up being something legitimate, you know, so this could be a really big thing. I, I was listening to Josh Perry talk a little bit on the radio today from, you know, he did the big 10 tours with uh, Reznivs and Donardo and Howard Griffith. And he's basically just saying that, you know, there was, there's a lot of things he liked about Nebraska when he visited Nebraska and granted he's that, I think that was their first stop or like their third stop. So it was very early. And he, mm -hmm. he even said that as like, Hey, this was very early in the, the trip. So, you know, things could have changed, but he's like, he wasn't that impressed a lot with their trenches. And he's like, Hey, you know, Illinois is going to be a much tougher team than they've been in years past because, you know, Brett Bielema is the coach now, so they're going to be really focused on the trenches. They're going to be focused on their running game. They're going to be focused on not making mistakes. And they actually had a pretty good defense under Lovey to begin with. So, you know, they got some pieces there. And I, Scott Frost, like he, this is like a must-win game for him. Like he loses tomorrow, like he, it could be a real bad domino effect of, you know, I mean, they're not going to fire him on Sunday, but you know, you hope not. Like. They got Oklahoma in a few weeks, man. And Oklahoma, I mean, if Oklahoma wipes the floor with them, 
and then they don't do well in the Big Ten. Like, I don't know what's going to happen with like with that whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I understand when like you can say you know you, you got to give coaches time. You know, you know, your program isn't what it used to be, or your program's not you know a, a ten, so you can't, you know, don't expect a coach to go undefeated with a program that, you know, can't go undefeated. You shouldn't be getting rid of guys just because, you know, they're above average or whatever, but Scott Frost has not been average. He's been below average, you know? So yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think it's, um, the domino effect. Yeah. I mean, it could be something just real bad start to the year, real bad taste in people's mouths, especially if they don't look good. I mean, I'm expecting it to be kind of sloppy on both ends just because it's the first game of the year. Um, Lovey, though, what a lot of people might not give him credit for, and I don't know with like who all came back or not. I'm not really studying up on Illinois right now, but I remember because they were remember they were the first game we were supposed to Ohio State was supposed to open up with with I think it was the revised schedule. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I had looked into them last year and they had a good offensive line coming back. And I don't know. I mean, I know all those guys got an extra year of eligibility, so they might have all the pieces right now that Bielema, you know, if he gets his, <laughs> just his, like, um, you know, his line schematics yeah. going. His identity. I mean, you know what, he, you know what exactly, Brett Bielema is yeah. going to do. And, you know, yeah. he's not going to, he's not playing around with anything. It's smash mouth football. That's how he did it at Wisconsin. That's how he did it at Arkansas. And that's how he's going to do it at Illinois because it, with lesser programs, if you can get a line and you can get a running back and you can get running backs and you can get linemen in the Midwest, you know, you don't have to go out, you know, looking all around the country for big time skill players and, right. you know, defense linemen that are going to get 20 sacks in a season. I mean, he's not going for that. I mean, you can find big line farm boys in the Midwest that can run football, play running football. So, you know what he's going to do? And he ain't going to change that identity. And right. So and if these guys buy into his identity right away. I mean, they could surprise some people. Like you said, Lovey had a good defense. Yeah. So, so I don't, I mean, I think what Cornhuskers are giving seven right now. I think so. I thought that's the last line. No, I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to look it up this minute, but uh, that's what I, I saw. So it was something like around there. It was, it was like a touchdown favorite, you know, earlier in the week. Um, Am I so I think Illinois is going to win outright. It could happen, man. I mean, I, I you know, I, I enjoy the Nebraska fans. We have a lot of Nebraska oh, fans sure. that follow us. Uh, you know, they're good people. You know, I definitely, I want to see Nebraska, like, you know, James Lauren, as he brought up a good point when, you know, when they brought Nebraska into the big 10 uh, a couple years ago, like, He's like, and then they made, they went from, and then they switched it to East and West and from le- leaders and legends. He's like, he's like, you know what Jim Delaney's thought process was right then. He's like, I'm going to have Ohio state and Michigan play Penn state in middle of the season. And these are going to be basically all undefeated teams. And, you know, they're going to either, somebody's going to come out of that undefeated or with one loss, they'll all have one losses. Then Ohio state, Michigan will play each other undefeated or one loss at the end of the year. And then they're going to go play an undefeated or one loss Nebraska in the big 10 championship. And Mm -hmm. it's like money upon money upon money. And it's just the Nebraska. I mean, the Nebraska was brought into the conference. uh, You know, I mean, everybody knows how good Wisconsin is on that side, but I mean, it was basically 
the thought process was you had Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State on the one side, and you had Wisconsin, Nebraska on the other side, and maybe you get an Iowa every so often. They're sure. you know battling that. I don't think anybody ever expected it was going to be Northwestern, and you know, so it's like. You know, I think they were put into the middle in the, their mindset that I'm going to have Cornhusker fans and I'm going to have Buckeye fans or Michigan fans and Penn State fans. And that's what my Indianapolis game is going to be. And it's going to be huge. Yeah. Now, Ohio State's been to a lot of those championship games. So it's still huge because of that. But it's just it has not went the way that the Big Ten kind of expected it to go uh, with Nebraska. So, I, I mean, I, I hope they win tomorrow. I think they... I think they will win, but because I mean, I, I still want to see it from Illinois. But if they if they gets into a real slugfest tomorrow, you know, I don't know if I, especially if their trenches aren't really that good, especially if their defensive line ain't that good, and Illinois starts establishing a running game on them, it could be a very interesting game. And then if they lose, it would be interesting to see how things start progressing. I mean, you have, I believe they played Buffalo. I thought that's what I heard somebody say today. That's not an easy win in the for a, against a max school. Buffalo is usually pretty good. And they do got some returning players this year. And Oklahoma is, I mean, they're going to be a huge dog against Oklahoma. And, oh, sure. uh, yeah. And there's all those rumors that they wanted the ba- bounce out of the Oklahoma game. And frost was trying everything to get out of that game. And you know, so I don't know, you know, Oklahoma might be going in the mindset with embarrassing them in the first place. So like, yeah, I mean, they could, yep. They do play Buffalo week three or week two, I guess it would be not week three. Cause they're in week zero and then Oklahoma's in week three. Yeah. So, yep. that would be a, it'd be an interesting one. All right. So, uh, we're going to get into, uh, the press conferences. I'll start with, uh, heartline just cause I have the heartline press conference pulled up here. Um, so we'll start with that one first. Um, you know, first question he actually took, it was about cam Bab and just, you know, kind of, uh, it just, he was asked about like, you know, what his feelings are that he was named a captain and, you know, you could tell heartline has a lot of admiration for him. I mean, for, I didn't realize he had four ACL tears. I'm guessing his latest injury is another ACL terrible. I mean, the fact that he's still on the team that he just decided on, I'm, I'm just going to take my hardship and finish out my college education. And, uh, I mean, kudos to him. I mean, he, he got his degree. I mean, but I, I'm glad he got named captain and it seemed like, you know, heartland said everybody, you know, just loves him and they love just the, his willingness to want to still compete even with everything. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tragic. You want to see the guy succeed, but he's kept good spirits about him. Sounds like he's a hell of a leader for that team, yeah. keeping everyone else positive, keeping everyone else moving. So if you can't do it on the field, at least, you know, you be that type of leader off the field. Yeah. And then basically, then he was asked on the other captain for his room, uh, Alave. And he just said, uh, you know, Chris does everything, everything he does on the field, he does it off the field too. And, you know, he's just, he's pretty much a true leader and, you know, everybody respects him. Um, and, you know, it sounds like that he has a lot of, I mean, you've always, we've never ever heard anything bad about Chris Olave. It's, I mean, from everything, anybody's heard, he's just a high character person to begin with. And right. it sounds like he, he leads by example and, uh, you know, uh, just uh, you hear good things about him. So I, I, I think 
I mean, Chris Olave was definitely a uh, somebody that, that I thought was a no-brainer as a captain. I kind of figured he would get. So, I mean, that's what happened. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. Olave is the leader of that room. Yeah, and you know, and I, I kind of heard something interesting from uh, Laura Nitas. You know, him and Hartline. Um, you know, they know each other from back in their playing days. And, you know, they basically had a very similar NFL careers, you know, played in the NFL at the same time. Um, you know, they're very, you know, you can tell that they're, you know, they're friends. So they still oh, yeah. talk to each other, you know, off the record and stuff like that. And, you know, Lauren, I just said, he's like, Hey, I, the way he coaches that room is that, yeah, we all compete against each other, but you guys also are your teammates and stuff like that. And you older guys, you are going to take these younger guys under your wings and you're going to teach them uh, the proper way to how to be Buckeyes and stuff like that. And everything we've always heard that, I mean, that's how Alave and Wilson and the the couple guys before them, you know, some of these other receivers have all been that, you know, yeah, you, you, you do everything the right way. So the young kids learn from you by watching you do it. But then at the same time, you also, you make sure that they're studying their films and you know, Mm -hmm. that they're, uh, they're paying attention and you, you ask them questions on films and uh, you, when the coach gets hard on one of them, you go take them into the corner and uh, you talk them through it. And, you know, you basically do everything there. You're there to make them better players too. And so it's, I, I mean, I always like that, you know, the best, football teams are the the ones I mean football teams you can't have like you can in basketball and stuff like that where superstars can you know be a superstar I mean you need a lot of unselfish players and you know it definitely seems like that's exactly what this room is like yeah yeah I mean I I don't think it's any secret or surprise this is if not you know the most talented um unit on Ohio State's team is one of the top two maybe top you know, top three, whatever, if you include both lines, I, I think most people would, you know, generally consider this would be Ohio state's strongest unit because of just how high these recruits have been over the last couple of years. What's crazy to think about is you probably still have a top three wide receiver room. If you don't add anything past Olave and Garrett Wilson, (laughs) but now that you have all those five stars that came in after them, now you have the number one, you know, receiving room in the country. Well, it's also kind of crazy to think of, like, imagine if a lot, I mean, I know Wilson, Wilson could not have left last year, correct? No, he was a true sophomore. Yeah, yeah. he's a true That's, sophomore. So. They're, I mean, they're both leaving after this year. Yeah, but, you know, a lot of they could have, and let's even say hypothetically Wilson could have, you know, with all the talent they got there, it might have been a lot of unproven talent. They're still arguably one of the best receiving rooms and uh, just on just oh, sure. talent yeah. because... I mean, they're just loaded from top to bottom. And, you know, when a lot of their said he was coming back, though, that just made the room even better. And it was like, wow, this is going to be you knew it was going to be a freaky room to begin with, with just Garrett Wilson still back. But now it's like a back, too. And it's like, crap, man, this is like I, I can't believe the level of talent. And, you know, Heartline pretty much even made it. He's like, hey, you know. I mean, he pretty much alluded that we can go play with anybody and, you know, mm-hmm. and they're not afraid of that. Uh, you know, we'll line up. I, I mean, he talked about CJ Stroud and he's like, Hey, you know, our job's to get open and he's, his job's to get us the ball. He's like, and he's doing a great job in practice. He's like, but our guys are there for him and they're going to be there to pick him up. Um, he's, you know, he's, uh, not, uh, 
he, you know, on Stroud, he's, uh, he's happy when he makes a good play, but he doesn't get down on himself when he makes a bad play. And, you know, he is, sounds like he's from the, at least the receivers coach perspective that, you know, we could be expecting a lot of great things from him this year. Yeah. And I don't want to be too bold about what I'm going to say next. <clears throat> I also don't want to be like poo poo it too much either, but so let's say what, what, what are there? 130 teams. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. So this might be a crazy statement. I would say out of a hundred teams. So all, I'm give 30 teams the benefit of the doubt that they have someone better, one person better than our, all of our top six guys. So I would say out of a hundred teams, I would bet that the top six from Ohio state wide receiver, they would be any one of those six guys would be the number one receiver at a hundred colleges in the country. I don't think I disagree with that. It's like, I mean, you take all the, the real big boy schools out of it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So probably everybody easily outside the top 25. That's a true statement. And probably a lot of the teams in the top 25. <laughs> probably I mean, damn you, close. Right. Right. I mean, I'm just thinking about like, I'm not really sure. Like I'm trying to think what the big 10 has and like, I don't know if, uh, does Michigan have a receiver that's better than anybody that's, you know, at least a better than our top four guys. Like, Ronnie, you know, I mean, Ronnie Bell's good, but I don't know if he's better than any of those top six guys. Ronnie Bell wouldn't be starting in this offense. Um, he wouldn't be, no, he wouldn't be one of the first three out there. I mean, would he be, he wouldn't be, I don't think he'd be in front of a Buka If you keep him in the slot, I don't, I don't know if he cracks the top six in this offense. Yeah. It's an, inter- it's an interesting perspective. I definitely don't think you're wrong on it. I think that there's a, I mean, it's in that ballpark of a hundred teams. I mean, maybe a couple of teams more, a couple of teams less, but yeah, I think that's a fair statement. And you know, it's, it's scary to think about. I mean, if Stroud and I, I don't have any reason to doubt CJ Stroud's ability. So if the line keeps them upright. I don't, yeah. I'd be scared if I'm the other teams. Yeah. I thought uh, I thought it was funny. So during the press conference, one somebody asked him that was trying to to put him on a, the spot, like you know, where's Olave actually starting? And he's like, he's starting a receiver, and uh, he's like, well, what position? All of them. And then they asked, he's like, well, what about this guy? He's like, all of them. All my guys can play every position. And you know, he got into it further, and he's like, literally, his three starting receivers, Wilson, Olave, and and JSN, he's like, they could play every wide receiver position that we have out there. He's like, mm-hmm. he's like, I'm not a, fr- and, you, and you, when we're going to talk about Barnes next, he had a lot of the same stuff to say, he's the, you know, these guys are learning everything because, you, right. know, you know, they're going to be switched around in different spots, depending on who personnel on the field. And, you know, all now, let's face stuff. it, Ohio state. I mean, they're young at these spots. They don't know what the best lineup is at this time. You know, he mentioned that too. He's like, Hey, you know, He's like a lot of these, uh, you know, they had, a, we lost a lot of playing time last year in the off season. And he's like, basically from, you know, JSN and Fleming all the way down to the three freshmen. He's like, you don't realize how much better kids can get in within six months. He's like, you know, mm-hmm. it's night and day, even when they were in the spring and like, I mean, it's crazy to think when you think about just how high these guys were and, uh, yeah. I think it was, I think it was Tim may, um, he was kind of making a joke and then he's like, he's like, I have a feeling that, uh, 
uh, Her- Marvin Harrison Jr. had a couple dinners in his lifetime with a Hall of Famer. <laughs> and uh, Hartline is like, yeah, I would say that's probably pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that guy. And that's like the other thing, like when we talk about the, they can play every position. I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr., you look at him, you don't think he was a slot receiver, but I mean, how you saw him play in the spring game and what you've heard about him, he could easily be a slot receiver. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it's, it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. As you know, another thing, uh, I mean, this isn't again, the press conference, this is, uh, another thing Lauren, I just said about Heartline this week that I just thought of, he was talking about like how they are, how he is with recruiting. He's like, you know, it, the crazy thing about that is, you know, he doesn't BS these kids. He's like, you know, I'm going to bring you in the best, uh, wide receiver room in the country and you know there's no guarantees all i'm going to guarantee you is if you stick with it you're going to be a much better player than you were that you are right now and you're going to get every opportunity to play but you're going to have to prove yourself and you know and you're going to be going up against the best guys that are going to be in your room with you and it, it resonates with these kids because i still can't believe they've gotten this many kids i mean i know I know college football is a little different now than it was a few years, even a few years ago where, you know, you never saw two top running backs go in the same class at the same school or two top quarterbacks because, you know, everybody wants to be the man and even a receiver, you never got like, and you know, I know Mookie Cooper left and G Scott ended up going is it playing more of a tight end, but you don't get those four types of receivers in the same class. And then you don't follow it up with Abuka Harrison jr. And uh, Jaden Fowler in the, in the following class. And you don't follow that up. I mean, I know he's not signed yet with the number one receiver and then a couple other high level receivers in the following class. And when you already have Garrett Wilson that came in prior to that. So it's like, that's just crazy. I mean, it's just, it's just one, you know, and I know a lot of people make a big deal that, well, he's signed the top receiver in the last how many classes and, you know, and then you got another one coming in it's like, well, yeah, but he's also brought in, he's bringing in three, four guys, every class that are top 15 receivers. Right. <laughs> and I mean, that's just, that's the way college football has been going. Look at the last three national championships. <clears throat> I mean, the team that won was the team. And I know, Clemson had a ton of talent on the defensive line. I mean, that helped so much shut down Alabama in that game, but just look at those three teams, what they did, you know, Justin Ross and T Higgins, and then Burrow had four people. And of course, I mean, firsthand, we saw last year, Devontae Smith and what's it, Michi or whatever, you know, burn Ohio state. I mean, that's just, you need that to win national titles right now. Yeah. Um, Going back to this area, I mean, he had a lot of good things to say about Fleming. Uh, um, basically, he said he's running around like a freight train. Uh, that was I saw funny. that. Yep. Yeah. Um, and he said is uh, you know he's definitely uh he's coming back. Uh, he he's healthy. You know he's playing extremely hard in practice. He's doing good things. Uh, thinks he's going to be both definitely a big time impact this year. And especially on special teams, he said he will, he'll be out there on special teams. He'll be there in the offense. Um, so you're expecting a lot of good things. What he said about JSN though. I mean, he said that, uh, he said, uh, he's just like a nasty run blocker, I guess. And that he's just dominating people on run blocking. So, I mean, that's always been the Ohio state way for the last, how many coaches, but uh, you know, I like hearing that. Cause that always makes you think of uh, the guys like uh, 
when, you know, Gonzo and Devin Smith and some of those guys would get dirty, uh, messing up people in the trenches on, in the running game. So, uh, Julian Fleming uh, and Marvin Harrison, they look like they can mess some people up on blocks too. (laughs) Oh yeah, definitely. Um, you know, he, on his three freshman receivers, I mean, I guess both Harrison and, uh, you know, a Mecca, they both have 4.0 so far. And, uh, he said Ballard's sure. doing good in school too. And it's like, you know, I mean, they, they took summer classes and they were from the spring and, you know, so it's a good thing to see, you know, I, I, a lot gets made about, uh, you know, the, you know, not to do it, to take the Cardell code, you know, these guys don't go to their play school. And I know a lot of these have bigger goals of, you know, going to the NFL and stuff like that, but, College football is call it what it is. I mean, you got to go to class, you got to study, whether you're taking online classes or actually physically going to a class, you know, you, you got a lot on your plate, you're studying game building and then also doing homework and stuff like that. So it's mm-hmm. no, it's no picnic to be as these guys and to be able to hold a good GPA like that. That's uh, pretty impressive for a couple freshmen. So, <clears throat> um, yeah, I heard they're pretty good football players too. Um, he was asked on, uh, why JSN got the starting job and he said, cause the best players play. So I think, uh, that says everything right there about, uh, what they're thinking about him. Uh, sounds like, like I said, with his running black and, and I mean, we've been hearing all kinds of great things about him. It sounds like he catches everything that's thrown to him. And, uh, you know, yeah. he's just one of those guys. And it sounds like, he's gonna, have, like all of our guys catch everything that's thrown the, to them. He's going to be very scary in the slide. And then it, and then when he kind of went and saw like a Mecca during the spring game, it's like, man, if they get the Ryan day crossing patterns back crossing routes, getting back into full thing, I mean, those two could like just feast on defenses, especially when you know that you have just two outside threats that, you know, you can't have corners cheating in to mm-hmm. looking in because you got Garrett Wilson and, uh, Alave and then Fleming and Harrison on the outsides that are just, uh, they'll run right by you. I mean, so, right. Yeah, I know. Scary. Um, so that was pretty much it on uh, most of the questions. Um, I'm just making sure I didn't hit miss anything big. Scrolling through this now, and it looks like all the the major ones. So again, Brian, the thing uh, we we've talked about this in the past. Uh, a lot of these coaches, they all have kind of unique, different, unique um, kind of. Uh, ways they do interviews but it's always there they have so many impressive guys heartline it's much more straightforward uh with a lot of his questions but yeah. uh i mean it's hard to say that him and lj have not been the best coaching hires the outside of the head coach in the last 10 years i mean i outside honestly, maybe ryan day maybe ryan day when he was hired as the offensive coordinator just because of what he ends up becoming um maybe he inches him out but uh you know, I mean, when you think about recruiting and what just those two guys have done on opposite sides, I mean, basically everything LJ has been doing, Heartline's doing the same thing on the other side of the ball. So it's like, and it's still wild to me that they have gotten the the type of receivers they've gotten out of high school. I mean, Ohio State's had a good list of wide receivers and guys that have done a lot of great things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not, not a lot of them were big time headline stars coming out of high school. And it's, it's just been different. <laughs> Some were running backs coming out of high school, you know, some weren't receivers. That's yeah. I don't think, I mean, when you're talking about top end guys and just like you saw it when he came in in 18 and I'm not, 
I'm not taking anything away from, you know, what Paris Campbell, Johnny Dixon, Terry McLaurin, what those guys wore, you know, going into that year anyways. But you saw what he did with them immediately, just how productive, how good they were, you know, from the jump. And he, he just keeps coaching these guys up to amazing levels and he keeps recruiting in these top end guys. So I definitely don't think it's a stretch to say he has been their best hire. I mean, just to look at where Ohio state was with receivers over, you know, how many years and especially, and not to take anything against, you know, a, or away from urban's coaching or go against urban in any way, but that's not what his team's done. And now like he's him and Ryan day have made it a way that they can have both things. Like yeah. they can do both, you know, they can run and they can pass the ball and not just like pass the ball effectively, like be one of the top three passing teams in the country. Yeah. And I, I mean, I know Zach takes uh, some offense to some of the stuff on uh, Zach Smith online and he's went back at some media reporters on Twitter, which are entertaining. I mean, Zach's very entertaining on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, not to take anything from him. He, you know, when you go back and look at a lot of his being there, he was a very good recruiter. He did get some good players at, outside of the receiving room to Ohio state. You know, he was also him and LJ did a lot in the, you know, that Hampton roads area or the yeah. DMV area, you know? So, I mean, he did do a lot of good recruiting. Um, I, I will give him that. Um, it's just, to me, it's just, it's different and it's nothing that, it's not saying that he was a horrible receivers coach. It's just watching Ohio state during those eras. It, there wasn't a lot of difference between the Trussell eras that there wasn't, you know, they are, they're college receivers and, you know, they're not really running out meant to go out and run the most advanced, you know, routes in the world. Urban's offense from Florida. I mean, he had very basic wide receiver routes. I mean, it was a lot of, you know, those uh, out routes towards the sideline or go deep. And, yeah. you know, and he basically ran very basic three layer receiving things. You know, you have a guy going short, a guy going middle and a guy go long. And, you know, that was a lot of urban's offenses. And so not taking anything away from Zach, it's just, in a lot of ways, those were college offenses. And now it just seems like, and Ryan day, maybe he runs more of a pro style thing, but Heartline just trains these guys in a much different thing. You can, they run a lot more pro routes and, you know, and Chris Olave is not the fastest guy in the world, but somehow he's always behind guys because it's like most guys, most of these cornerbacks don't understand these route concepts at all. And like, he just gets behind people because he runs a good crisp route and loses somebody. And there he is all alone, 20 yards down the field. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, I know. I know. So it's just different. And, you know, so Heartline, he's knocking out of the park, both on the, the recruiting side of it and then on the development side of it and how these guys are playing on games. So, I mean, he's definitely, uh, he's doing great things on both sides of it. So uh, that's, it's just impressive. Uh, there's not much more to say about that. Um, nope. It will be very interesting over the next several years. Uh, kind of what happens with him there. Uh, you know, is he, uh, what's his, is uh, Laura Nitus likes to say, uh, you know, I'm not a hundred percent sure what his why is, you know, he's not a guy that's, you know, really begging for money, but does he want to be a head coach someday? You know, you never know. I mean, I don't know what his goal aspirations are and, 
you know, does he want to be an offensive coordinator? Does he want to be a head coach? You know, does he want to go to the NFL and be a coach? So, yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of, there's, there's already people knocking on his doors and I just, that's going to get even louder and louder now over the next several years, I would assume. Sure. Yeah. Um, not to spend too long on Matt Barnes, um, just because I can't find the, the article that I had, but, um, he said, um, so he, Matt Barnes had, again, a lot of similarities to what I like, kind of Heartland said is these guys are going to play multiple positions. And um, he said that, you know, it's, it really kind of depends on how, who we play every week and you're going to see changing lineups and there's going to be days we're going to have more of a slot corner out there and days that we're going to have more of a safety out there. And, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of just doesn't matter and it or matters to who they're playing. And, you know, I'm not really, I, I, you know, he said, you know, I'm not concerned about there about what Jimmy and Joe's I have out there, but uh, you know, we're looking at X's and O's and just becoming, you know, better technical football players. And, uh, so, you know, Combs kind of mentioned that, that, you know, he's more of a technical guy. And I think that's kind of good. I mean, Halfley was a technical guy and, you know, you know, having a raw, raw guy and then a technical guy, if you can get them to mix, you know, that's not a bad thing. Yeah. As long I mean, if you still have the high end talent out there and you can get them to learn the position. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a great thing. Yeah. And he said, Hey, they're going to play a lot more than six players. So like, again, it's like crazy to think about the type of rotations they could be coming in with. Uh, you know, he talked about Josh Proctor and he just said, uh, Josh is uh, more mature than he was, you know, last year. And, you know, so that's a, that's a good sign. You know, he's going to be playing the, you know, the cover safety, which mm-hmm. is the, the deep safety, which, you know, we've kind of, uh, expected, um, had a lot of good things to say about court Williams. Again, it's like everybody, everybody likes to throw in a good thing about court Williams. So I really hope that, uh, he stays healthy because, uh, he, uh, he's going to be, I think the real deal this year. Yeah. If he doesn't, I mean, at least he's going to be the real deal on special teams. <clears throat> yeah. Um, Cam Martinez, it sounds like he's getting a lot of playing time. Uh, he's mixing it in. sounds like he's a good person too. He, I mean, he said that, uh, he thinks he's going to be the president of the United States and, uh, you know, <laughs> 20 years or whatever. So, I mean, that was, I mean, that that's awesome to hear. Yeah. So it sounds like he's, uh, um, pretty, being pretty well respected. Um, I mean, we talked about the secondary last week and it's just a lot of raw talent. And that's what he said. You know, they asked him about last year and he's like, he's like, I don't think you, a lot of you guys, a lot of people really understand what it's like losing the amount of practices we lost and, you know, and, and then having all the COVID stuff and then you're throwing injuries on top of it. And basically it's not to make excuses, but you know, there was a lot of uphill battles and we didn't get to throw a lot of stuff in that we wanted to do. And we've talked about that too. They were very vanilla in a lot of ways last year, especially on defense. Right. And I just think when you're hearing all the stuff about they're talking about rotations and every coach on the defense has talked about that. And you're used to hearing about that in the defense line. But mm-hmm. when you hear Al Washington talking about that and you hear, uh, you know, Matt Barnes talking about that, that, Hey, it's depending on different rotations and coverages and all kinds of different stuff. Who's coming in. If that doesn't over, if, as long as the actual playing is there is can be fairly simple that there's not a lot to think about within the, each individual plays, you know, that type of death could really just kill teams because I mean, now you think about, they're just throwing guys at you to throw guys at you. And uh, you know, we're going to be fresh at the end of the game and you're not, yeah, I know. And like 
when we've talked about it before, just last year, I mean, they didn't have in the, especially in the back end of that defense secondary, they didn't have too deep anywhere. Yeah. So now, I mean, you might have three deep everywhere. Yeah. Like legitimate guys you can have out there. Like, holy crap. I mean, it's going to be so much different. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like they're going to have a, especially on the, probably on the outside, you're looking at two, maybe, you know, they might have five guys on the outside. So you might have two deep and three deep, you know, a third guy that could come in on both sides. Uh, but then when you look in here about in the middle of the field, it's like they, depending on, are they going more of a safety look? Are they going more of a slot corner look? Well, they have three guys that could do either or them. Like they have three guys that are, this is, we're going slot corner. These are the three guys we're using here. If we're going to second safety, these are the three guys we're using here, you know, and then we have Proctor, you know, still, you know, Hey, oh yeah. And if we're going to use the bullet, I mean, he was telling, he was talking to the bullet. He's like, Hey, sometimes my secondary guys, goes works out with the the linebackers and sometimes linebackers come and work out with me. Right. Yeah, I know. It's, (laughs) it's crazy. They're going to want to do everything though. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm really, especially because the first two weeks are going to be very interesting. You got a team that's going to be really ball control. And then a team that's, even though it's not the Oregon teams of, of the old Oregon teams, but it's still a team that has good receivers. They're going to try mm-hmm. to get it out to their receivers. Um, they, it's actually Moorhead's their offensive coordinator who used to be at Penn state. You know, we know him. So, you know, he, they're going to be running a lot of RPO. So it's a lot of, uh, it's a good two different types of games that it's going to really challenge a lot of the different aspects of how deep you really are, because, you know, you're going to get a ball control Wisconsin style team, you know, start off with, and then you're going to go more of a kind of a spread that's going to be doing uh, different things with the, the RPO game. So it'd be very interesting to see how they, how they all hold up against it, especially the secondary. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, So, you know, again, he had a lot of, he had good things to say. Uh, It wasn't a long, you know, some repetitive stuff. He he was, (laughs) again, it always seems like, Every week, there's one of the press conferences you can hear really well the questions, and then one of the press conferences you can't, you can't the hear. One, the one you this was the one you couldn't hear. So I was having a hard time following uh, which uh, actually which guys they he they were asking him about, especially because they're so young and that they like I know who's in the receiving room. Like oh, uh, he's talking about Alave there. If you can't hear a general question in the receivers, like you can tell you know yeah. who Hartline's talking about. Um, but I'm encouraged about the secondary. I mean, I'm not lying on that. Um, I think that they are going to play a lot better this year. Um, college football is a much different game than it once was. And I don't need the Buckeyes to be a top 10 defense. I need the Buckeyes to be a, t- I need the Buckeyes maybe overall to be a top 10 defense in the running game and just in the scoring defenses. But mm-hmm. if they're, I mean, they're, 70th, I think last year in passing defense and, and some of the categories, they were in the hundreds. If, uh, if, yeah, I thought, I thought they were like a hundred something in passing defense last maybe, year. Maybe, maybe it was, um, but if, if they can get that to where they're in the thirties, twenties, I mean, that's a unbelievable improvement. And that's like, mm-hmm. at that point, then that's a team that could go win a national title because you oh, know yeah. you're, they're going to be loaded the bearer on, uh, on, uh, offense and they're going to put so many teams behind uh, yeah teams might rack up a bunch of passing yards against them but you're also going to be dealing with 
an unbelievable defensive line. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of mistakes then because uh, you're going to be getting hit when you have to throw the ball as much as other teams are going to have to throw the ball. Um, yeah. Your quarterback's going to be left on islands. And stay stingy in the red zone. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I'm in, I'm encouraged what I've been hearing about the secondary. I've been encouraged what I've been hearing about the linebackers. It's just now it's time to see how they, uh, now time to take a, you know, go to the next level and, Let's see what you got. So uh, I think that's, we'll take that to our predictions and kind of just, um, so we'll start individual kind of predictions. Um, just what kind of what we think, uh, all around. So we'll start offensive side of the ball. So, uh, what's your general thoughts? Like just running back, who you think is going to be touchdown wise and uh, yard wise, who you saying, who's the leader in the, in the room on both those categories. I've, feel like you and I are going to be copying each other a lot on this. We didn't, we didn't say anything to one another about what we thought was going to be on this, but I just have a hunch that we got the same thought process on some of these. So um, we'll, we'll go down one at a time. So rushing yards, I'm going with the true freshman Henderson's going to lead the team in rushing yards. I um. I'm right there with Henderson. I also think to me, it's either Henderson or Meyer and Williams. I think they are kind of, I think they're going to be the workhorse backs of the offense to those two. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm kind of just to be a little different. I'll say my end will edge them out. I think they're both going to go over a thousand yards this year. I think they are. I think one of them is going to go in between that 1200, the 1500 yard range. And the other one's going to be in that a thousand yard to 1200 yard range. It's just who gets the ball a little bit more, uh, who breaks the more of the runs. I think Henderson might get the ball less, but could break, you know, higher yeah. yardage runs. Um, so it's just a lot to, to kind of go with on that. Um, but I think we're both going to say the same on the touchdowns. I think, I think master Teague is going to have just a boatload of touchdowns this year, just because I think every time they get into the red zone or in short down situations, he's the one that's going to be, especially as the season goes on, maybe, maybe they'll let him earlier in the year kind of, you know, establish the other two guys and, you know, maybe he'll be the starter. And, but I think once they get rolling, you know, he's the guy that's going to be, you know, Trevian better not get tripped up going into the red zone or whatever, because he might be coming out for master Teague to go take his touchdown from him. Uh, you know, master Teague might be the, the modern version of Pete Johnson where, you know, if Archie didn't score from, uh, like from 50 yards out, you know, Pete Johnson was getting the touchdown. That's his touchdown. Right. Yeah. I agree with you. And I also think master Teague, you know, he's going to get some times and games, like I've said before, where teams are going to be kind of worn down towards the end of the halves and he's going to bust one. Cause you know, he's fast. He's strong. I mean, straight line speed, that guy's the fastest guy on the team. So yeah. I, I think he'll get, you know, he'll get long touchdowns like that, but he's also going to eat up a ton of red zone touchdowns. So I, I definitely say master Teague, but I'm going to give Trevion a dark horse on that one that he might end up being. Cause I mean, he's not a small guy for a freshman running back. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely uh, agree. Um, I think if they were going to try to give one of them as the workhorse, and like if they go into the season with the mindset that like, you know, I'd rather have one of our guys be a 2000 yard and then everybody else just fills in. I think that's Henderson. And at that yeah. point, I think Henderson gets both the yards and the touchdown. But I think with their thought processes this year is that, 
the ultimate goal is to have as many fresh legs when it comes to the end of the year as possible. So I think they're going to try. I think they're going to let hot hands hands roll with the running backs, but I think that they're going to definitely rotate them a lot more than they've done in the last couple of years when you had Dobbins and even last year with, you know, Sermon and uh, Teague that, you know, they didn't really outside just those two guys. There wasn't really anybody else that even they attempted to run the ball with. Sure. Or false. Later in the year, Marcus Crowley goes over 200 yards against Akron. I'm going to say uh, <laughs> true between Akron or Tulsa. Okay. It'll be one of them. Might be both of them. Um, I think he's going to get in early in those games. He's going to get a lot of opportunities, and that's where he's going to get a shine. That's also going to be the first times we see Quinn Ewers, and uh, like I think in those games. So there's actually a stretch in there. Once you get through the first two games, I mean, you got Maryland and Rutgers then, or Rutgers and Maryland, and you know I think Rutgers is going to be a little bit better, you know, under uh, Shiano, and you know Maryland's going to have the talent, but I think you're going to see a lot of the bench in those four games in a row. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, so we'll go to the receiving side of it. Uh, so receiving yards, touchdowns. Um, I mean, kind of where you're falling on that. Uh, you know, I'm gonna say hmm. I'm gonna say yards is gonna be Garrett Wilson. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. I, I think that's probably, I think they're both going over a thousand yards. That's kind of been mm-hmm. my thing too. I think we're, we're going to have 2000 yard backs and 2000 yard receivers. Yeah. And I think it's going to be both of them. Um, but I, I could see it being Wilson. Um, I think he could have, he could have a couple 200 yard games because I mean, he had almost a couple 200 yard games last year at different points. I mean, there was a couple games. He was a buck 50 plus. I mean, he's, He's just a guy that catches everything, and I think he's a. Uh, even though they're, he's going to be more on the outside, um, I think he's going to be. Ta- they're going to use him a lot to, uh, you know, get CJ established early into games to get him getting his confidence going. Like I could see Ryan Day being very, you know, having a lot of easy throws to both. Wilson and Alave next week to start the game against Minnesota because just to get CJ going. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just, I mean, from what I've read on different places, it sounds like, you know, they're using him a lot in like motion as well, just moving him all over while he's there. So, I mean, he might be lined up outside, but he might be motioning in, you know, keeping him moving kind of like what we saw last year with Alabama and Devonte Smith. So. Yeah. that's uh, When I was hearing that, I was like wondering, I'm like, is, so is he going to be like the Devonte Smith this year where he's just going to be kind of all over the field and, you know, they're just going to let, him create mismatches. Uh, what it sounds you know, like. I mean, if God, if Garrett Wilson, if they get him into a, if they get him into a backfield, and there's a, if there's a tough Borland out there trying to cover him, God, <laughs> God forbid. Like, like so I hope, I hope CJ's. They better have like some sort of signal to CJ Stroud. Be like, hey, slow. There's a slow guy on Garrett Wilson. Uh, go find him. Like, they better have a good signal for that. <laughs> right. So why you're saying Alave is going to be the yards? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, I'm I'm going to say Alave on the yards just because I think he's going to edge him a little bit. I think Garrett Wilson to me is the he's going to be the master Teague of the touchdowns that he's going to 
I actually think that it's not going to be as close on those two on touchdowns. I think, I think every receiver is going to get touchdowns. I think Olave is going to get a lot of touchdowns, but I think Garrett Wilson is going to be, because I think he's the red zone threat. I think he's the, you know, out on the field threat. I think he's just, a he'll be, he's going to catch a 10 yard pass and take it to the house. I mean, yeah. he's just a, he's a threat in a lot of different places. So I think, I think he is, the he's going to get the touchdowns and just bunches. I, I think he'll lead the team easily in touchdown catches. I like that. I mean, I'm going to go with Olave on that one, though. So I guess we're we're opposites there. Um, yeah. Until I see something different from C.J. Stroud throwing the ball, I'm assuming it's going to look, you know, I know he's not fields, but I'm assuming the offense is going to run very similar. And there's just going to be a sweet spot from like, you know, 30 to 50 yards out. And Chris Olave is your guy for the deep ball there. I will say, though, Garrett Wilson does remind me of like, they both kind of remind me of Devin Smith, how they can get behind, you know, the defenses Garrett Wilson though. I mean, he, he's like Devin, he can high point a ball very yeah. well. He's one, he's probably one of the best I've seen at this level when it comes to, you know, high pointing a ball. Yeah. Um, last thing on receivers. So I think we both agree that they are going to go six deep that the six mm-hmm. guys, um, so it's the six receivers, not in counting Jalen, Jaden Ballard. Um, they're going to play with, so CJ Stroud's going to at least get six guys. Do you think CJ Stroud's going to see seven guys? We've heard a lot of good things about Ballard. We know he's going to be playing in garbage time and stuff like that, but is he going to get some opportunities early in these games where they're going to have, they might run a seven man rotation. And I'm not saying a seven man rotation where they're rotating all seven guys. I'm saying that like, Hey, maybe Ballard's getting rotated in every three series or something like that. Uh, just, uh, throw another, uh, just to keep the early in games, just to keep them, uh, you know, fresh. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's definitely hard to get seven receivers in there like that, you know, but you, I've heard a lot of good things. I don't see why not, but he might just be a guy that's meant for, you know, the third string. All right. Um, quarterbacks. I think, I think CJ Stroud, we're both going to say is going to be leading the team quarterback. Oh, yeah. wise. I yeah. think if, uh, with them picking him as the starter, I I have a feeling if we would see a, a McCord or a Ewers um, end up taking the starting position is that there's something that went deeply wrong. I don't think C.J. Stroud's Kelly Bryant. I think no. C.J. Stroud is a lot better than Kelly Bryant. I don't even think he's Jalen Hurts. I think he's a lot better than Jalen Hurts. Uh, I know there's some people that, you know, Jalen Hurts got drafted and all this stuff, but like I've never been impressed with Jalen Hurts. I wasn't even impressed with him with Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. Um, that uh, I think that no, CJ I think Str- he was, I think he was the worst quarterback out of the four. To be honest with you, that Lincoln Riley's had at Oklahoma. Yeah. I think he's yeah. very. And when it came to running, I mean, yeah, he might be the most dynamic runner out of them, even more so than um, what the Tyler. Hell? Tyler. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I mean. He he might be faster than Kyler Murray, but I don't I don't know. I thought he was the worst one. I thought Spencer Rattler last year was better yeah. than what Jalen Hurts was two years ago. I think um but I think yeah, CJ Stroud's better than him. So I, I CJ Stroud because I just don't think anybody in the Big Ten is going to – I think he's – actually, I think he's going to be very impressive again in the opener against Minnesota. It might take him a quarter to get going. I and We'll talk – I mean, we're going to talk more about Minnesota in a few days, but, mm-hmm. like, I don't think that's going to be a close game at all. I think Ohio State's going to really 
take them to school once they get that get into that game and they get yeah. comfortable into that game. Um, I think Oregon is probably the test to see how CJ does against Thibodeau. Um, but if CJ Stroud gets through those two games and looks really good, he's not being taken out this year because he will be he will be better by the time he gets to Penn State and he'll be even better by the time he gets to Michigan. So like, yeah. you know, so he's going to be fine. Um, my question on the quarterback room is I think we all, uh, I think you're kind of with me that Miller is probably the outside man looking in just because I think yours is going to get more opportunities than him just because they want to see what he can do. Yeah. Um, and just because what they recruited him in as so, McCord is the backup going into the season. I think we're all assuming, but at the end of the year, who do you think we see more of? Is it yours or is it going to be McCord? Is there coming a point in the season where yours passes McCord and that's your backup? And I don't and then think so. And then it becomes a, a CJ Stroud versus McCord or CJ Stroud versus yours come the spring. I don't think Ewers gets to a point where he's the second quarterback coming out or, you know, the first guy coming in for garbage time or anything like that. I think McCord's going to keep that all year. Okay. Um, and I kind of agree. I kind of think that if, uh, I think if, you know, God forbid, if something happens to CJ Stroud early in the season, I have a feeling we're probably going to see Miller just because uh, they're probably just because he's been in the system a little longer than the other ones. But I think if, if something happens later in the season, you know, McCord is probably the guy that they're going to go with. And if something happened to Stroud early in the season, I think it might be initially Miller and then be eventually McCord that that's yeah. how the, the pecking order will end up going. Um, but, you know, I mean, you got to take the job from a guy too. You know, it can't, if a guy's not doing anything wrong during the game, I mean, if, if Jack Miller, you know, if you're, if that were to happen and Jack Miller comes in and just absolutely like kills it during a game and practices just as well as anyone else. I mean, even if he maybe McCord looks better than him, but how can you justify taking someone out if they just absolutely lit a game up, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. That's something like I've always, and I know people are like, and I've even said it, like, you can't just be like, you know, the whole, how can you justify replacing somebody? Cause that's like urban wouldn't replace JT, but I don't know. I just, I don't think you can, if someone comes out and they do a great job, I'm not sure how you can replace them if they're doing awesome in the games. Uh, yeah, I agree with and that. And that's why, that's why I think this is going to be very interesting next year. Cause I know what like Ewers can bring to the table or at least what his potential is. I mean, he's the number one player in the country, you know, yeah. but he, even a year early. So, I mean, it's still insane but if CJ Stroud goes out, just balls out this year and shows no reason why he should be replaced next year, I don't think he should be replaced next year. Yeah. And I know we'll get into these hypotheticals later, but um, after the season, uh, I think we're both probably assuming that one of the four are probably gone before spring football, but it'll be interesting yeah. once we start talking about is two of the four are going to be gone before spring football. Um, so, Here's an interesting one. When you think back to Haskins and then Fields for two seasons, these guys are all young, but, but and maybe it's just because of all the hype and stuff like that. I actually feel better about 
God forbid if one of the starter goes down like this season than I felt in a long time. Like, you know, probably since JT had uh, Haskins and Joe Burrow behind him that, you know, I felt that, you know, if they have guys with talent behind them, they might be raw talent, but they're guys with talent. So, you know, God forbid something happens to CJ that, you know, they have guys there. Like I was so terrified if anything ever happened to Justin Fields, like even last year, like, you know, CJ Stroud and Miller never got the practice. So I'm like, I I don't even want to see them in games. Like in in 2019, I definitely didn't like that. To me in 2019, they could have went from being the best team in the country to, you know, a, a very average team if Justin feels like, cause I, I didn't have any faith in the backup. So like, yeah, I mean, with, with Haskins, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I don't know if I was scared about Tate getting a chance or not, but and, I'm glad, I'm glad it, you know, I mean, Tate would have fu- glad Tate, Haskins stayed healthy. I mean, I, Tate would have did fine. I think in urban's offense, it just would have been a different, I mean, yeah. they would have, it would have been just a much different thing. You're thinking about, uh, it's just, I, I, you know, it's just something, you know, 2014 is always going to be like, so like always in your back of your head that, you know, I, and I know that doesn't happen. Like, you know, Cardell Jones going out and winning the national title. I mean, nine times out of 10, that's not supposed to happen. It's just, right. you know, uh, that was the freakiest of freaks that we ended up. I mean, Cardell was just like the perfect guy. Cause he was so headstrong. And then, you know, you had Zeke end up deciding that he, he was going to be a beast and everybody just lifted up. You know, the defense even played harder. Like you just, it, that was just weird. Uh, just a different, you know, animal that everybody came to Cardell's, you know, to his side. And, you know, he also rose to the challenge and, you know, he was ready for it. And, sure. you know, so, it's just I, but for whatever reason, I just I just feel more comfortable with this backup crew than I felt in a long time. That you know, mm-hmm. that at least they got some options there if something happens. Yeah. All right, sack right. leader, uh, Zach Harrison. Uh, yeah, agreed. He's gonna have. Uh, I think him. He's gonna end up in the teens. That, I like that. He's going to, I don't know if it's low teens, mid teens. I think he's going to be a pretty a big time force to be reckoned with. What's the record? I can't remember it right now. What Chase, we Chase has 16 and a half. Okay. So I think Zach, I don't know if he'll get to 16 and a half just because there's other options that Chase, you know, he didn't have as an established room on his one, you know, that, and there's much more established defensive ends. Cause I think Tyreek, is going to be balling out too. And I expect uh, Jack Sawyer and JTT and uh, uh, Baptiste to also get sacks. Um, I think Chase or uh, Zach's going to end up somewhere around 13, 14 and lead the team in sacks. Okay. I mean, I, I still think he leads the team in sacks. I'm not I'm as bullish as what you're saying. So I'm going to say 11 and a half. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I think Tyreek could get the double digits too. Like I think that uh, I think Zach's going to have fourteen, and Tyreek could very easily have ten and eleven. I mean, there's going to be a lot of sacks to go around. Yeah, <laughs> and I think they're going to hit a lot of people. Sorry, that ain't dogs barking. That's it's the, <laughs> which one is that? Is that Moose? That's Zelda. She'll stop. <laughs> Maybe she won't. I don't know. Let's 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 try to get it is. Um, it is what it right. is. Um, who do you think's the linebacker sack leader? Um, 
I I want to say, hmm, this is good. Um, I don't think Gant's going to get it as a Mike. Taraj is not as athletic as Browning was. You know what? Give me Kayvon Pope. I think, you know, he's going to get some playing time in there. So I, I think they're going to find some creative ways. I want to say Craig Young, but you know what? Let's just call him the bullet. So give yeah, me Kayvon, I, I, give me Kayvon Pope for me. on that one. It's kind of hard to for me how to judge is like the bullet. Uh, are you judging him as a safety or are you judging him as a linebacker when it comes into sacks? But um, so, yeah, I guess uh, I like Kayvon. Um, I think it's going to be. Uh, I, I don't know if he's going to end up playing because we've heard some mixed things, whether he, he's going to be hurt or not, that he's a little injured right now, a little banged up. So it'll be interesting. He plays against Minnesota. I think he's going to be Cody Simon. And I, oh, think I like that. Yeah. I changed yeah, my I, answer. Cody Simon. Yeah. I think he's just, he's like, a, it's just everything I'm hearing about him. He's just a freak of nature and uh, he's going to be all over the field. And that's what yeah. it sounds like he's doing right now. So uh, I like that. Yeah. I'll say him um, defensive tackles. Um, not so much maybe ta- uh who you think is the who leads the team in tackles for loss there is it is it Haskell is Haskell doing this like he's going to he's going to blow some people up in the hole i think um yeah or, or one think, of the other I guys i think it's Haskell no i i say Haskell would, is going to lead the team at least in the interior for tackles for loss i think Haskell's going to get drafted in a very nice position because i think he's going to really t- take what he did last year and take that to the next level i'm expecting big things out of him mm. um I think he he really turned a corner last year, and I don't know, you know, I, I, LJ kind of mentioned this in his thing a couple of weeks ago that, uh, you know, he you know he had to come back from such a, a traumatic experience of being shot that you know it's just like it was like he like everything changed though like right then and it was just like, yeah you know he it was like a complete corner changer for him and or Turner and he's just I think he's gonna be just a, he's gonna be a beast to be reckoned with and I think he's gonna he kind of feels like. Uh, those defensive tackles from uh, 2014 to me that uh, that's just disruptive. I like it. Yep. I agree. Um, interceptions. Who's leading this team? I think the safe pick is um, Josh Proctor. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And with that being said, Cam Martinez. <laughs> I like that. We're hearing so many good things from Cam Martinez. It sounds like he's a, he's a ball hawk too. It just sounds like he's, uh, you know, Ohio State's going to get challenged in the slot, and that's going to be very interesting to see how they line up. I expect Oregon's going to have a lot of game plans about attacking us into the middle mm-hmm. of the field because I hate to say it outside of 2019, that's been our kryptonite for a while, uh, you know, so. I am expecting and possibly Minnesota too. I am expecting Minnesota to have some good tight ends, um, just to the style that they play. Um, and, uh, so I'm expecting different things to the middle of the field. I like that pick for Cam Martinez. I'm going to say Proctor. I think he's, uh, I think he's just going to be a ball Hawk in the middle of the field. Um, and I, I expect him to lead it. Um, who do you think is the outside? Is it seven? Is that seven leading the team uh, on the, the outside in picks or is he just not going to get the ball thrown enough at him? So it's got to be Cam Brown or uh, legend or whoever. I, yeah, I, I don't think they're going to go after him that much. So I'm going to say that's hard, man. Cause 
I think seven's the best, but I just don't think they're going to challenge him enough. So Akuna never got challenged enough, then. but Arnett rose to the. So I, I think whoever on that side of the field is going to rise to the the occasion. Um, I also like Ron, Ryan Watts. I love that length, and like the more I'm hearing about him, is like I think he could do a lot of nasty things this year. Same with Denzel Burke. It's like I'm really getting pretty psyched about the outside right now because I yeah. think there's a lot of guys that are going to play and. I'll say Cam Brown leads the team in interceptions. I don't really got a reason why, but I'm going to, I just don't think seven's going to get challenged enough. I think, I think seven's going to be such a, uh, he's going to kind of feel like, I think seven banks is going to, cause Akuda was such a well-known name coming into the team. I think seven banks to us is going to feel like kind of Denzel Ward. He's going to end up getting drafted like fifth. And be like, what the hell did he do last year to deserve a fifth round, the fifth pick? And the, <laughs> like, and then you're like, how Denzel Ward, like when I remember the Browns drafted Ward, I'm like, like I know he was like, it was a couple days prior to that. There was some rumors from the Browns and on Browns radio that you know they're looking at Denzel Ward with that pick, and I'm like, why Denzel? Like, I mean, I'm a Buckeye Homer is a Buckeye Homer, and you know I've always bitched that uh, Ohio State don't or Cleveland don't draft enough Buckeyes, but like why? And then like I started thinking about it, I'm like, he never really got any. What he didn't really do anything last year, and then I'm like thinking about it, I'm like, maybe he just never got the ball thrown at him, and because he was because he was that good. Yeah, (laughs) if they're not thrown at you, that usually means you're that good. (laughs) It's worked out. It's worked out nicely for the Browns. Yeah. so, yeah, I think uh, I would agree with that. I think it's going to be somebody on that side of the field. Cam Brown is a good one. Um, but I'm I still saying the, Cam Martinez total for the team. He's number one. I like that. I think he's a. Uh, we're just hearing so many good things about him, um, and I think they're really going to want to. They want to try to get back to get. There's going to be times when they need a, that slot guide because they're going to be playing a lot of spread teams this year. Um, all right. So kind of, I mean, that's kind of like all the big stat things. I mean, I guess we could say fumbles, but I hope, I really hope they get a lot more interceptions and fumbles. That's like the one thing that seems like it's been missing over the last few years is this, that they don't create as many turnovers as they once did. And uh, I mean, I remember the times where they were such a turnover machine and uh, yeah. I, I, I want to, I just want them to be a little bit more opportunistic. I love sacks. I hope we get a lot of sacks still. Um, and it seems like we have never been hurting for sacks. It seems like we always have a defense end that's going to put you on your butt several times uh, throughout a season. And we'll have multiples of those guys. I, I would, I just, I would like to see interceptions and fumbles and, you know, because instant changes with our offense, you get a quick instant change of the field where um, you just pick the ball off at the 50 or you got a fumble at the 30. And it's like, I mean, that's like almost a guaranteed touchdown. And, yeah. Right, right, right. All right. Well, here, here's one for you. Um, Trey Henderson, is he your starting returner? And does he take, does he take one to the house either from kickoff or punt? I don't care, but does he take one? Finally, is the streak broken and we get a a special teams return touchdown? I'm going to say no, because I got, and I know last year was a COVID year, but I am pretty sure I guaranteed Garen Wilson was going to have a touchdown last year. And you know, he never did. Didn't happen. Anymore, I just want, you know, Demario has scared me so many times and I've remembered other guys in the past is like anymore with our offense. I just want things to be fielded cleanly. Like, you know, 
get the kickoff and get it at least to whether it's by a touchback or by you getting it there, get it to at least the 25, 30 yard line. And yeah. Just, you know, and if it's a punt, just catch it <laughs> or let your, let it. your offense do its thing. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to say no, just, uh, he'll probably have four this year. I'll, I'll probably, I hope so. I'll get, it'll be the hell of a good season. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you think he will? Yes. Yeah, I do. Okay. So let's just start to just start thinking maybe just quickly big picture season. Why? So are you in agreement with me? The two toughest games they're playing is the first two games of the year. Like, and that's not Mm. to take anything away from Indiana, Penn state or Michigan. I just think they're going to be, I think the best opportunities to beat them are going to be Minnesota and Oregon just because, and I think, like I said earlier, I think they're going to handle Minnesota, but mm-hmm. I just think that's the best opportunity you know, they're, they're still young at the quarterback. I think CJ Stroud going to be pretty settled in by the time Indiana and Penn state roll around and they're going to be just full steam ahead by the time Michigan comes. That, yeah, I mean, Maybe Penn State's harder than Minnesota. I, I do like what you're and Minnesota's returning a ton of people. I just I don't know. And I know they got Tanner Morgan coming back. I'm not sure how they are at tight end. Um, I'll read more about them this week, you know, leading in. So maybe I'll have more to say. But I think they're top returning receivers are and I just think Minnesota's gonna try to do a lot of stuff that Ohio State's always been good at stopping. And so I'm not sure, you know, if all they can do is run the ball, I'm not sure how long they even stay in that game that they can, you know, um, and that's the thing. I think that they're going to be, just, they're just going to be in a lot of second and longs that, mm-hmm. that, and I, maybe they can pass the ball to get into third and shorts or maybe, but you know, that's putting a lot on them as a, you know, they're used to having second and medium, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of where they want to be playing with. Ohio State just don't give up rushing yards, and Minnesota has a really good offensive line. I get that, but this is the best defense line they're going to play all season. Right, and, you know, we've heard that stuff so many times, though, about how much Wisconsin, they have a huge offensive line and how much they run all over everybody, and they never run on Ohio State. Or like Saquon Barkley a couple years back, you know, he was like, yeah, he had a huge touchdown to start the game. He had a big touchdown run, I think from like 30 yards out or something. I think he ended the game with like 40 rushing yards. Like it's just teams don't run on Ohio state that easily. No. And I know, I know 2018, what was his name? Uh, Is it Anthony McFarland? That was from Maryland. Like, you know, that, that guy, (laughs) that was such a weird year because you could run run the ball in Ohio state that year. And that's usually the, that that doesn't happen often. Well, they just, they had so many breakdowns at the second level. When, if anyone ever got past the line on that team, that was just, it was scary. Cause you didn't know, you know, I think usually the goal line was the only thing stopping the guys. So that was, yeah. yeah, that was the only, that was, that was a rough year, but I just, I don't see us repeating that. So I, I agree. Minnesota has the potential to be one of the two hardest games of the regular season. I just, I don't know. It it really depends what our defense does. Cause if our defense shows up to stop the run, stop tight ends, I just, I don't know how long they stay in that game. It's just the, it's, it's just the first game of the year. I mean, 
there's a lot of known things about Ohio State, but there's a lot of unknown things about Ohio State, and it is it is a tough uh, kind of change of pace that you're. I mean, you're going from a Minnesota ball control offense to you're going to Oregon, then then it's going to be a more of a spread it around type mm-hmm. of team. Um, with they both have you know world class defensive ends. I mean, Thibodeau's obviously. I mean, there's a good chance Thibodeau's could be the first pick in the draft. I oh mean, yeah. That's what a, that's what a lot of people are saying. And, um, you know, so it's just, I, I think that, but, okay. So what's a tougher two game stretch? Is it, is it Minnesota, Oregon, or is it Indiana, Penn state? I would say Minnesota, Oregon is going to be your tougher two game stretch. I, I was, I got to see Indiana do it again before I buy into them. And what Penn, I, I, Penn state's interesting. Cause they still got Noah Kane, right. As a running back. So, I mean, yeah. he's good. I just like, what's his face? Clifford Clifford's not that guy though. He's not going to be, you know, a guy that's going to really challenge he's, you do a ton of things. He's not McSorley in like, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah, uh, I agree. Not, um, the only thing I worries me about Penn state coming up in the season is I have this weird feeling that, uh, Ohio state's going to really want to embarrass Indiana. And just because there's been so much shit said about Ohio state, you know, part of my language from the Indiana side. And I know that these guys, you say you, you just play some of that stuff is getting back to the coaching staff and like, who the hell are these guys? Like, you know, like thinking that, all right, we're going to go put them in their place. They lost that game last year. They didn't deserve anything, you know? Right. You know, and I know Allen, you know, he said some good things about Ohio state in the media days. I mean, he wasn't stupid about that. You know, they are the, they are the top. That's what we want to be is them. And, you know, so, I mean, that was the right thing to say. He didn't throw any more logs on the fire, but it's just, I think a lot of stuff gets back and, you know, I think some of that stuff is, you know, like, you know, you guys aren't in our league yet. And, you know, so, so at Penn state's a tough game, I think to come off as a second game to that, um, where maybe I think Oregon, they're going to be focused for Oregon. They'll be la- they're going to be laser focused for both these two teams because, you know, Minnesota's the first game and then you get a couple extra days to prepare for Oregon and you'll be focused yeah. for Oregon. Yeah. I mean, I could see, it. I mean, Penn state, you know, a lot of times they're, they're no picnic to play. I mean, they got good talent on their team. I just, I don't know. I don't buy into Clifford that much. So, yeah. and I could be at- wrong. This could be his year. Throwing away, uh, okay. Um, sorry. Um, throwing away last year. Um, is our defense is our defense 2018 or is our defense 2019? Like, if you had to say that they're going to be closer to which defense, uh, you know. I I mean, I think 2019. I'm I give the Buckeyes the benefit of the doubt that they're going to have a better defense than not, you know, any year. So they still they still recruit high end defensive players. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, I like the coaching staff. I think they're, they they got to put in a lot this year that they didn't get to put in last year. And they have, and for as much COVID issues as they had, it seemed like the majority of those COVID issues were all on the defensive side of the ball and their biggest injuries were on the defensive side of the ball. It was just, it was a cluster, you know, what in the back end, I think mm-hmm. the defense that I think they're just not going to have this year. Um, any, uh, any things you want to throw out? for team wise. Nope. I'm just excited to be at this point. So, I mean, we'll have our 
actual Minnesota preview next week before the game, um, probably Wednesday night or something. But are they going? Uh, are they going twelve and zero? Are they? Are they? Are they going into the Big Ten championship undefeated? It's so hard to say yes on that because it's so hard to go undefeated in a regular season, especially a third one in a row, even though last year was only, you know, a five game regular season. But I just don't see who's going to beat them in the big, especially in the Big Ten. But I don't think Oregon's going to beat them. And yeah, I'm going to say they're 12 and 0 going into Indianapolis. I think that they, and I know you can't, you can't say from one coach to the next. And, all that stuff, but it always seems like when they're chasing something, they are usually laser focused. And Mm -hmm. it's when they win the national title, then that's when they get complacent and drop games after the season later that they should never have dropped. But uh, until they, until they hit, get over that mountain, I'm going to say they're going to still go undefeated. I don't see anybody in this conference beating them. Um, I don't see anyone being close to them. Really? I I think they're going to win by more than 10 points every game. So 10 points is double digits. Do you think they'll win by double digits every game? Or do you think they're going to win by two touchdowns every game? I'm going to say two touchdowns. I'm going to go crazy on the limb. They're (laughs) going to beat every team that they play on their schedule by 14 points or more. I like it. Like, (laughs) and that includes Oregon and Minnesota. And those might be close games early in the stuff while they're feeling things out. Uh, that's the type of confidence I have in this team because I don't see I don't know where they're going to score less than 40 points in a game this year. And, you know, I, I heard a stat the other day that I never knew before. It was, I, it was on Gerdeman, Tom Orr. So the Buckeye scoop their Buckeye weekly uh, show. Um, I was listening to their podcast. They've only lost one game in the history of the, of the program when they've scored 35 points or more and they've tied one. So yeah, it was Clemson in 2013. Yeah. So if they get to 40, I just don't, not until you get to the playoffs. I don't know who you're going to lose to like, you know, because, because I don't see any big 10 team them getting to 40. I don't see any big 10 team being getting over 21 points. So like, right. I mean, yeah, I'm sure Penn state and Indiana might be able to get over 21 points. I don't think either one can score 40 on Ohio state though. No. So yeah, I think, I think in 2019, I think, um, and I don't remember how the Wisconsin play or the champ, the championship game went, but I think Penn state was what they were the best showing they lost, by it was a 10 points, 13 points, 10 or 11. Yeah. So it's, they definitely, were the best. it's definitely at least 10. Yeah. So I think they're going to beat everybody by 14 plus. Like I just, that's what I think. This is this is the deepest. When you recruit at this level, the way they've been, this is literally the deepest they've ever been. Like, and that's yeah. crazy to think of. Oh, I know. It's yeah. I mean, I'm I'm kind of there with you. I'll I'll say ten. I'll say they're gonna win every game by at least ten. I won't go as they're gonna win every game by fourteen, but it could happen. I mean, they're I think they're that much better than everyone until they get to the playoffs. All right. So I think unless you have anything else, we'll call it a night on this one. Uh, a lot to unpack tonight, but Hey man, I, I would love to see the corn Huskers win tomorrow. I'm going to throw that out there for our Nebraska fans. Not sure it's going to happen. Um, but outside of that, yeah, I'm good. So thank you everyone for stopping in tonight at the Buckeye bar. I'm John and I'm Mike. Oh, H I O.